Welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. This week we've talked to Nathan Chandler, um, who's better known as Foiled Perth on Instagram and whose profile picture is Susan Boyle. He's a character, to say the least. He's also one of the first people in Australia uh, to be downwinding and, and he started doing it on a prone um, in Perth, Western Australia, which is one of the windiest places on earth in, in their summer. Um, but we had a really good chat. It went for longer than any of the other ones just because the stories kept coming and I didn't want to deprive anyone of missing out on the gold that was coming out of his mouth. So <clears throat> if you do have time, lock yourself in, get ready for a bunch of really good chats, adventures uh, from Rocknest back to the mainland in Perth, um, some, some crazy helicopter rescues and all in all, just uh, some good laughs. So Nathan Chandler, Foiled Perth, uh, the original Wake Thief, enjoyed this one. All right, okay. welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. We have Susan Boyle, Foiled Perth, Nathan Chandler um, here with us, a WA downwind foil, I'd call you a pioneer. You were definitely, you know, along with Marcus Tardry, one of the first over there to be doing it and getting into it in a very different way to the way Marcus did, which I think is a lot of people will be able to relate to. Um, Nathan or Foil Perth um, is a downwind prone foil madman. He's done, it's probably some of the longest downwind foils I know to date and in some of the sharkiest weediest water sharks out there yeah apparently that's uh, okay. I've heard. yeah um so yeah nathan take us take it away give us your intro of i guess who you are um how you got into downwind foiling and yeah let's start with that good to see you mate I haven't seen you for ages first up um thinking of you guys on the east coast having yeah. a rough time over there and I'm, i hope you're getting in the water and still doing what you need to do but um yeah, look, mate, um, over here, as you know, like Perth, the waves range from poor to shit, basically 365 days a year. So um, the whole foil, uh, foiling adventure started for me with, you know, just seeing it the first time online and um, really just going, this is the answer to everything I've been looking for my whole life, you know, having ridden multiple boards and done multiple board sports for my entire life um, and having the restrictions of poor waves here and obviously you know we've got heaps of wind so plenty of wind so from day one um, your options were buy a mash or buy a go foil um, two options and then it was figure out the rest on your own and I only had a Kai wing um, so it was literally I bought a new pod mod Almeric pod mod, brand new, off the rack. I've got a tuttle box. I took it to Walter Chalupski, who's brother of, you know, multiple world champion ocean racing paddler, Oscar Chalupski. And I took it to him and I said, Walter, I've got this beautiful surfboard. I want you to cut a massive hole in the bottom, stick this box in it, mount the foil for me. And he went, he kind of looked at me, you know what Walter's like, and he goes, you know, it's not going to work, rah, rah. And, and then uh, he did it for me and um, he did an incredible job and he even cut the mask and I didn't know that till I went to, to sell it. So he even got the angles right and this board was bulletproof. But anyway, that's the story of how I kind of first started, but I, I got into the surf with it. I went down to Scarborough, patted it away, 
got sent. It felt like 20 foot in the air on my first wave on a Kai, which, you know, is a small wing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, caught, caught, a, caught a couple of waves, got the feel of it. And then basically it was city beach groin every afternoon, first season of summer. And that 17, 18 season was nuclear. It was every afternoon. It was, it was literally like 30 knots every afternoon that whole season. I haven't seen one like it for a while. Um, so, mate, I was downwinding day one from when I started because it was chip-ins off the groin. And the goal was to go to Florida Groin, which was 450 metres away. So I was working on that. And I remember um, you came over and uh, I didn't even know you. And I was direct messaging you because I heard you had a 200. And I was just like, James, I don't know who you are. I don't care. Give me a 200. I want to go further. Like this is, I'm getting sick of this little Kai wing. I can only take it so far. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, and then you came over and, and, and I saw you do a couple of runs. I think there was a, a downwind race and um, I was like, I've got to get my hands on one of those 200s like, and it was just calling everyone, hassling everyone. And then the shop, stand-up surf shop, Frio, uh, they had one and I got my hands on it. And then after that, it was just a joke. Like, had a mate with a ski and we were doing like 25K downwind and straight up off the bat. So that four, making it to Florida Groin, that 450 metres was like, you know, that was that was achieved day one, like as soon as we got that wing. Um, yeah, yeah, I think like that's a really good story. And that sort of brings me back to like the same time period when I was starting to foil too, that sort of 17, 18 season. And there was such limited equipment, like boards you yeah. could get a hold of. Um, yeah. I had a similar story. I, I go to my sister's board that was in the garage and I'm like, I'm going to make this board a foil board. She's like, hey, that's my board. And I was like, you haven't used it much. We just, I took exactly. to my board repair guy, um, Tim Radford, and he, he's like, you don't want to do this, James. There's nothing wrong with this board. You're going to ruin it. You never surf it. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's collecting dust. We're going to put a hole, as he said, put a massive hole in it. We're going to put a tuttle box in and it's going to be epic. And he was just yeah. so against it. And it was epic. Um, yeah. But. And it held up? Uh, it, for the most part, I, I ended up surfing over in cloud break with it. Um, I was over there for the ISA World Games and I was using it as a foil board as well as a surfboard and I snapped it out cloud break one day um, right where That's the box is, as you'd expect. You know, it's cloud break. So, But it was an epic board. I had a hell time learning and then yep. and then I got in touch with Sonova and we finally started developing the first production foil boards because there was nothing back then yeah. and, and, and look yeah in, Sorry, in mate, terms of the kai foil like i did the exact same thing i think it was maybe it was the year before must have been 16 17 or because i did the, the first downwind run i tried was um in mandra and i was using the kai foil and it was like impossible to paddle up onto the foil on and like you're saying like 450 meters that's a long way on the kai foil back that's then. the longest i got i reckon i didn't quite make it there but that was that was kind of as far as I got. Yeah, um, impressive. Super impressive. Yeah. Like, I love and that you said that you, you started like in Perth, no waves. So you were learning to downwind from day one. And that's, yeah. I love that. That's so epic. Well, that was, yeah, well, just, mate, just seeing seeing the potential of the sport when it, it first kind of came out with that wing. I just like, mate, I was, I was teaching kids that I was showing them videos of it. I was just going, look, he's, he's riding nothing. Like he's riding nothing to the beach. Like yeah. there's not even a wave. Like he's nothing. surfing, he's skateboarding on the ocean. 
Mm, you know, and, and guys were guys were doing that, and um, I'm kind of glad I started on on the on the five seven board on the big board um, mm-hmm. because once I got those custom um, Amundsen's from Hawaii, uh, was that was that was sick, absolutely amazing. Um, but going from five eleven to four eight was a big mm. jump, yeah. and then I didn't was- I didn't touch my yeah. There was this kind of, um, and there was this transition from these big boards, like, you know, five somethings to like, there's this, remember that trend that went from like almost six foot boards down to three foot boards? And then everyone was like, yeah, I had a, you know, three foot's the best, you know, you've got to get through. And then all of a sudden yeah. people were like, we can't paddle under waves on this thing. So that's sort of gone back yeah. up to this sort of four, six, four, nine, five foot sort of mark, which has been. Yeah. Yeah. The, the four eight was amazing. And I, I didn't touch my, didn't touch my 4.0 for like two weeks because I was just too rattled by it. But it just sat in the boot of the car and I looked at it and went, this is out of control. Like it was 36 litres, but it was 4.0 and it was just, it was like a skimboard. And um, then I finally, I took it out and I didn't touch my 4.8 after that because it was, you know, going from 4.8 to 4.0 was, it was like riding, you know, a performance, I guess a performance surfboard versus mm. a performance longboard, something like that. And it was just, it was just a joke. So, um, yeah, the four eight didn't really get a run after that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. Even even cut the nose off a mouth, had a broken mouth. That was like three eight, and got one of those sticky bolt on yeah, yeah. plates that I paid a fortune for, and it was like took that out and couldn't even paddle it. And yeah, that was a waste of money. But you know, it was so early on, you didn't really know what to do, and you had to take uh, a punt. Yeah, I couldn't get boards anywhere i couldn't get anyone to make what what i wanted until i contacted john in hawaii and he i told him what i wanted and, and he drew those up for me and, and yeah they turned out perfect and then you know got got a i know you were in my ear about getting on the sup game and um got a board made uh, north of perth the guy with the cnc machine wado um legend he um got us aboard and then yeah markets came over and and yourself spoke to me and it was like come and come and ride some Sonovas and try some stuff out. So that's how that happened. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. It was epic to watch. I guess your journey. One of the things that really stood out to me was um, one your sort of partnership with Mick Mick McCormick, but um, also that boy. Yeah, yeah, it was like bloody Batman, Batman and Robin. Um, and I remember the first. I think the first time I saw you downwinding on like online was I think Mick was on a kite. And he was towing you in. Oh, that was sick. Yeah, that so tell us sick. about that. And like, how far in was that into your downwind game? Um, that, that was... So was that, was that during the race that we did that? Were you there for the, I, I there was on, a race? I saw it online. I didn't see it in real life. Oh, shit. This, this is another crazy story. So I think, I think we did the race first. There was a, there was a downwind paddling race with all the, the Molokai guys and the sub paddlers um, from Port Beach. <laughs> from Port Beach to City Beach. And I'm like, Mick, I, I want to do this. I want to do this on the prone. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll whip you in on the kite and we can do it. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think I can do it off the rock because it's in lieu of the wind and I'm going to have to pump too far. And that was with the, the GoFor 200, which was an absolute leg burner. Like yeah. people go, oh, leg burner. That is the proper leg burner wing. Yeah. You're never, you're never going to ride a wing that's going to smash you like that wing did. And... um. Yeah, so we he was he was 
so funny. Yeah, it's like Dumb and Dumber, eh? Like we were, we were on the beach and they're starting off and I'm like, yeah, I'm going in it. And, and Boothie's there and everyone's racing and, and Mick's out there doing laps on his kite and it's in lieu of Fremantle port. So you've got all these containers and ships. So the wind's shit out, like it's really up and down. So he's doing laps and he's coming in close going, Nate, my kite's going like this and I'm sketching out. I'm going to have to go down the beach and you didn't have to meet me down there. So he, he, he's tacking up and down. So the race has started. I've run 500 metres down the beach, paddled out to sea. The wind's real sketchy, throws the tow rope to me. I'm holding on to it. And I'm like, go, 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 power on. The first one was just the funniest shit ever. He, he pulled me up. And um, he was like seven, seven to ten foot in the air, swinging like a pendulum. And I'm holding on with the rope, going, "Go, Mick, go! More power, more power!" And he's like, a, he's like almost a hundred kilos, and he's like, he's got this eight, nine meter kite, and he's like ten foot up in the air, swinging like a pendulum. So anyway, unsuccessful that time, and then um, did a loop, came back, got me. All the skis have gone past. Um, I'm like, damn it, and. Um, Got going again, came in, got me up this time, got up and it, it was lucky I got up and um, I got, went the whole way from basically salt on the beach all the way to city beach without coming down. And um, Which the people who don't know, that's around 10 to 12 kilometres. About 10K, yeah. Yep. And that was, on the, that was on the 200 and I think it might have been the version one go for long mark. So, yeah. yeah, that one was pretty stiff. That was pretty draggy mask, though. But, you know, obviously, all very new equipment, um, yeah. still developing. But, yeah, got to Swanee, and I, I, Boothie went past me. So the wing, wings were still kind of being developed with speed, but um, yeah, I was struggling. And Mick was, he was like, if, if you came down, there is no way we would have been able to get going again. And that was... Um, that was brutal. I got to the finish and that, I don't think I've ever been so tired from a run doing that day because the wind really well, What was the wind? So the wind wasn't that strong, obviously, by the sounds of it. It was... Nah, it started out strong, but then it, it kind of dropped down to probably, I don't know, 15 knots. And at the time, I, I wasn't too aware of the issues of dragging seagrass and weeds. So it's, it's highly probable I was dragging weeds the yeah. entire way without knowing which just made it even more yeah. difficult it's like but, um, got, the handbrake on yeah yeah that's it but but got there and yeah came in after booty so smoked everyone on old gear which was pretty funny and, and yeah. Mick came in on his kite and he was just rattled he was like mate my kite was the whole way down it was flapping and and it was about to drop and so yeah, that was that was one time and then then the other time was off trig towing us around out there that was epic like that yeah. was 25 knots and he just followed me down the coast, and yeah, that was that was a good time that one as well. Yeah. Yep. Epic. And um, so that's and that was I guess that was that would have been the first person foiling a race, you know, not officially, but foiling a race over yeah. WA. Um, I know I did yeah. one. I can't remember which year it was, but one of the Sunset Surf Ski Series. I, I did. A foil. I think it was one of those, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was maybe just before you got there, or maybe it was after. I'm. Yeah. Hey, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're, maybe, we're both yeah. pioneers, mate. Yeah. Yeah, we can pat ourselves on the back. Both legends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, mate. Um, I, pioneer or not, I was I was never not getting into it. It was just like, I'm like, this is the answer, you know. Don't skateboard yeah. anymore. I've got, to, I've got to 
now can skateboard on the ocean. So yeah, uh, win, win, win. Yeah, win, win. and I want to say that was obviously your downwind, you know, downwind foiling. But another thing that I think is definitely worth talking about is is in Perth in summer it's windy almost, you know, six out of seven days, and then yep. in winter the wind sucks most of the time. So in yep. winter you guys transitioned from downwind foiling to wake thieving. So do you want to just this want to give a little bit of an intro to, to what wake thieving is? Because you, as far as my knowledge goes, you came up with this term and now there's a Facebook page, wake thieving and a brand called wake thieving that's... Is there? Yeah, yeah, I'll have to show you. But it's like this massive thing. I should have trademarked that shit. You should have, mate. You missed you. <laughs> but tell us what wake thieving is because you've, I guess, finding that over in WA too. Well, Sam, um, you know, Sammy McCullough, he, um, so he started doing the, the sup foiling probably first and had the, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing the sup foiling or the down when you're on the sup, I was doing it on the prone and Mick and I were doing it on the prone. And um, he kind of messaged me, he goes, mate, fuck, mate, I've been catching, I've been catching the ferries down the river on this thing. Like, you've got to come down. Like, this is it's crazy. I've been riding them down the, down the river and up the river and coming back and all around. And he was doing that on a sub. So, so, he, was, right. so he was paddling up onto the foil and then yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, because he, you know, from a very young age, he's, he's super elite, super yeah. elite paddler. Yeah. And um, he's like, come down, like, come down. And I, so Mick and I had been jumping off rocks and, and into downwinds at Cottesloe and, and doing all that stuff. That was how we were downwinding, jumping off the groin. Um, sometimes paddling into waves. I don't know if we paddled into waves because that 200 was pretty pretty lifty it was like a bit mm. much to paddle into waves for me yeah. so we were just jumping off rock groins into downwinds but um now i went I, I jumped on the maps um and i had a look at where i could find a nice dock um found a nice dock and i said sammy i'll meet you here and then um yeah i was like oh you know i there, there weren't many boats around so it was literally like the 515 ferry the 545 you know i even, I even looked at the bloody you know, I jumped on and thought, when's the next boat? When's the next boat coming? I oh, leaving <laughs> leaving Rottnest at this time. It should be here by this time. And um, yeah, got the dock and I, I got the ferry like first go, like first time ever off the dock. Got it, pumped out to it, got on it, and I was losing my shit. Like I was so excited. And this this wake was was pretty big because I think in um there's a lot of water moving in winter down the Swan from the Avon Valley, the catchment. So the water's moving out. And if the tide's running out as well and the boat's going into it, then the wake is like, you know, it was, it was like waist high. This wake was too big for the, the 200. So I got on that and Mick and I, I think Mick was on it with me as well and Sam was on it and we're all freaking out. Like, yeah, just freaking out and rode it for maybe a couple hundred metres and then and then overfoiled on that. Because um, what did you have? Go for a mast was pretty short and you had the, the base plate adapter. Yeah. So it only took you up to about 68 centimetres. So... Um, that was a limitation, not having the height. But yeah, that was from then on. I was like, "Thanks, Sammy. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you here tomorrow." Yeah, <laughs> and then that yeah. was it. So you can't be bending in for the ferry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and then yeah, and then winter it was like I was driving, you know, from my house in in Karen up all the way down to Fremantle to to potentially not catch the ferry and fall off, and then drive 35, 40 minutes home empty-handed. So it was literally, it was so clutch. Like I get down there, there might be one or two other crappy boats go past. And then it's like, you see the ferry coming around the corner up near the left bank pub and you're like, 
Oh, I hope it's not Captain. I hope it's not Captain Slow today. Yeah. I hope he's doing. I hope he's doing the. You know, I hope he's doing the eight eight to ten knot range. Yeah. And then he'd come past, and they'd come, you'd see them looking out the window at me, going, "Oh, not this guy again!" Like, yeah. what's he up to? <laughs> and then, yeah, bang, get on it. And then it was like it'd be Largo. Like it, the wind in winter sometimes just drops right out, and um, yeah. no, I'd, I'd get it all the way to Point Walter, and I, I didn't care. I'd just ride it for like I don't even know how far that is, and it'd take me like forty-five minutes to walk back to the car because it was just the sickest wave. It was, it was like a wave pool. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ride, I'm just riding an endless wave like down the river. Like mm. I'm not getting off after two minutes. I'm taking it to the end and walking home and walking home in the dark and cold and, and then drive back to Karen up. So yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, you still love it. You don't get down there as much because, you know, that you, you kind of get that froth addiction under control foiling after about two years, but it took me about two years <laughs> to kind of be able to have a day off. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and yeah. be, be, being okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, I think um, Benny Martin coined the term foil brain, and that's something that you know I see so mm. many of my friends that are now into foiling. It's like, oh, come from yeah. one this afternoon. I'm like, eh, it's okay. Like, I've 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 been through that phase. Like, I'm just gonna yeah. wait for when the conditions are a little bit nicer. And but they're like, oh, yeah, we missed it. It was so good. I'm like, I'm sure it was. It was. It would have yeah. been epic, but. You know, I've only got so many things I can do in the day. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it, so much fun. And, and, and like, from a downwind foiling perspective, so started prone downwinding then and, and obviously nailed the dock starts pretty early on because you had to. And then dock starting into wake thieving and then come winter, you're back into your prone downwind dock starting off the groins and yeah, yeah, yeah. So the longest yeah. one, the, the, one of the, I guess, must have been the second time I'd seen you do it. And I remember chatting to Mark. like, what is this foil Perth guy doing? He's like dock starting and he's, how far out is he going? And I saw a video and you're way, way out to see. Like, you're not, I see a lot of the guys um, that are learning to downwind, they're doing, I guess, shore runners. You weren't doing a shore runner. You were kilometers out to sea and you did one all the way to Sorrento, 25 kilometers. Um, yeah, that was last season, but that yeah. that was that was on some good gear like mm -hmm. that. Um, but so yeah, when did like, you, um, when, yeah. Did, when did you get into the SUP? Because obviously you were pushing the prone downwind stuff for quite a while, and did did Marcus talk you into getting a SUP? And how had that evolved? <clears throat> so Sam again, Sam was he had the SUP, mm. he had the SUP background, he had the foil, only one doing it. I had the prone, Mick and I had the prones, we were doing that. And obviously I saw the limitations of, of prone downwinding um, in that if you fall, you die. Probably should have trademarked that one as well, Jimmy. Yeah, you should. Um, but, um, so I saw he was, he was doing the run from um, kind of Port Beach to Cot, just a small one, like maybe maybe five, six K on the SUP. Yeah. And the angle, the angle for that run like really beautiful angle the seas aren't too big semi-protected just nice nice straight chops good run yeah and um i was looking at that run oh sorry what, what are we talking we're talking about this stuff aren't we how to get into stuff so yeah, yeah basically yeah. basically saw him doing that saw the limitations of prone before i met marcus and spoke to you i i went all right i've got to sort this out get someone to make me a sub tried to get someone in hawaii to make it for me couldn't couldn't get that happening for whatever reason. Um, so I took it to a guy in Lancelin, um, Wade Freeman, 
um, I think Shannon Stent helped me with a with a design because he was playing around with board designs on on one of the programs. Yeah, and um, sent that to Wade. Went up there, did a design. It was like a I called it the egg. It was like five, ten, twenty eight, hundred and twenty liters or something. Which isn't so. too far off, I guess. That's a. I think a lot of people when they do their first ups, they probably go too short. Um, yeah. Five yep. ten, tw- like five ten by twenty eight. I would say is a good sup to surf nowadays yep. with a bit of you know yep. benefit of hindsight. I guess what I found, and I'm sure you found too, is going a little bit longer and skinnier makes the world of difference. Yeah. Totally. You, you need that water line. You know, it's like paddling your paddling your um your sups and paddling skis. You need that. You need that length. Um, you need that planing speed. You need that rail to help you get going. Um, but yeah, five ten by yeah. twenty. So you sort of went into one hundred and twenty liters for first time stuff. Isn't that isn't that big? So it was no. a bit of a learning curve, right? Well, I've never even supped. so yeah. <laughs> I you know I've got I've got a paddling background, white water. Um, used to downwind skis a lot. Yeah. Yeah, probably should have started kiting to be honest. But dad was paddling skis, so I was I was doing a lot of downwinds on skis. So I'm sure that paddling helped when it came to sup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was before I had that board actually made. I bought a hypernut. I had a hypernut, and I it just wasn't right. Like I, I ended up buying it just probably for the wrong reasons because I thought it was the closest thing I could find to what I wanted, but it still wasn't even close to what I wanted. I just didn't really know how to go down that path of getting someone to make what I wanted. Pretty square, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too, too big, super square. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the limitations of foils at the time didn't help that or, or my skill and, and paddling strength at the time. Yeah, and I think there's a really double-edged sword because um, with the SUP, and I know why people go small to start with because when you're first learning the SUP, of course, you want a bigger board so that's going to be easier to get going. But then you, if you go too big a board, like you experienced, you, you can't actually get going because it's too much weight and too much surface area. So it's, it's a really yep. fine line between going too big a board that you're never going to be able to actually downwind and then too small a board that you're never actually going to be able to learn any skills on because it's too small to balance on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it's, a, it's really finding that... Um... Yeah, that, that in between. Yeah, there's always going to be sacrifice. You're either sacrificing balance and buoyancy or you're sacrificing takeoff speed, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, board, that board served its purpose. I, um, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't even really get to, to ride it that much because um, I ended up getting, getting on a Sonova. And I think the first time I took that down the river when it was blowing nuclear, like 45 knots in the river. And I went out with Marcus and tried that board and, we're paddling out off the jetty and it was, you know, tiny chops, like knee high, whatever. And I'm like, should we paddle out to the middle, you know, where it's a bit bigger? And he goes, no, no, you'll be right. Just go from here because the chops move so slow. Mm. So they're kind of tracking at the same speed that you are as you're paddling. Mm-hmm. He goes, no, just, just go from here. And um, went from there and got up straight away and was tripping. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. So your board design super important. Um, and that board was perfect. That was like a six, four, 28 111 liters i think it was and um yeah after that yeah yeah totally and um yeah and a bit more nose in it as well so having that extra nose up the front not too narrow just kind of as it hits it helps kind of pull it up mm-hmm. um but yeah that was that was actually 
not meant for me, that board. That was the manager of the shops at the time. And I went, yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking this, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then rode that for ages. And then, yeah, after that, it was, it was just kind of working our way down from that board design, just yeah. reducing it a little bit, reducing volume, pulling it in, tucking it in a bit, but not, not getting too, too crazy with it. I just yeah. like keeping, keeping those boards simple yeah. um, and functional. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess how yeah. was, we sort of skipped a bit, but how was learning to paddle? Like how long did that take you? Because I've got a bunch of people that want to learn to sup foil and a lot of people listening are prone foilers and they do see the advantage of sup foiling as a lot of us do in that if you come down, you don't die. You can just paddle back up from anywhere. Um, totally. So yeah. how long did it take you to learn to like literally paddle up onto the foil? Because that's not an easy skill to learn. I, um, so I started with a height and art. And I took that out. I don't even know over what period it was. I started with that, and then I, I basically threw it away because it was it was too hard for me to hype. And I, and I was convinced it was the equipment. Um, so then I got got on that white one, went out, did a couple short ones, maybe had a session, maybe not too many sessions where um, I, I don't think there was a session where I didn't get going. Like I, I definitely got going, um, and yeah, there was certainly some frustration involved but that was more based on a time um a time and skill thing i knew that if i spent more time out there and spent more time on the boards that i would get it i knew it wasn't you were, you were just going straight into like downwind runs on a on a good day yeah. like you were just doing yeah so i'm gonna open up a map and i guess you would have been doing you know city beach runs is that correct yeah yeah the the, the cottesloe groin cottesloe groin one to um yeah where are you to, yeah, um, just one board. Yeah, so just doing a short one, like the one that we used to jump off the rocks, you know, like 2K, yeah. 2, 3K or something. We'd, that's what we'd do. Yeah. And then and then after that, we'd go Cottesloe to City Beach, which was City five, Beach. seven yeah. or something. So, yeah, you've got it. Yeah, where it says Hampton City Beach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how far that is, maybe five. Yeah, yeah so six. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that that's kind of what we started with. And then we did a couple from Trig Point to that, that stretch of coastline, I'd probably recommend for that more because there's not mm -hmm. as much swell around. Yeah. As you start to get further up the coast, you, you have that mix of swell start to come in because rottenness isn't blocking blocking the swell as much up that end. Yeah. So and then we do a couple from Trig Beach there to Sorrento. Yeah, which and, is a um, really good, like that's got more swell. So for people that want to have bigger runs, I guess once they're more advanced. The Trig Beach to Sorrento is probably more fun. Is that correct? Um, it, it's um, I, I enjoy that stretch, but it's definitely harder to okay. get to get going because you've got more swell. So you're better off down. You're better off down the Cottesloe to Swanbourne, Cottesloe to City Beach because yeah. you do have those. It's mainly just um, seas and wind swell you're dealing with. Once you yeah. start to get down the Trig the mix of the swell you're kind of not getting as many of those little chip ins unless it's super windy mm -hmm. but if you come down there you can it can be quite troublesome to get going again yeah so for um, learning best to start like up towards you know port beach down to cottesloe yep. down to city beach and yep. then once you get better you're going in a bit more of a mix of swing yep. chop and swell yeah that's it yeah most most common run i do is is city beach to um sorrento because mm -hmm. I, I kind of I live up that way, but yeah. um, when it's windy, it's it gets pretty wild out there. So 
that's where I tend to tend to roam and I get on the, get on the shuttle bus after work. I literally drive down the road, get on the bus, give them my ten bucks, drop me off at City Beach, and I'm one and done. Go home. How good? Yeah, yeah. It's ideal. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty pretty lucky. Down in heaven in Perth yeah. in summer. Yeah, oh mate. Yeah, yeah, it's unreal. It's like be one of the best places in the world for sure. All the guys who paddle it and have been paddling it forever are always saying it's the best place in the world to downwind because the, sure. the Perth coastline is. It's basically like a huge bay. And then the whole way down, you've got surf clubs. And, you know, if you ever get in trouble, you just come in on the beach and there's a surf club or there's a road nearby or, you know, you, you, you just walk or you just walk back if it goes really shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you, or when you overshoot, the, overshoot your car. I know you've done oh. that to me on Instagram, walking back up. Uh, yeah, I've done it, hey. Just just because, I, I, you know, the intention is I get a little chip in on my prone from City Beach. Yeah. Park it, park it, trig or north beach, and then I get to trig, and I'm like, oh, too good. Like, too good. And then I shoot around trig, trig point, and uh, you know, I've even gone to Sorrento and then walked like, you know, an hour back to my car because it's like, I can't go because you know how short runs can be if you're on a fire. Yeah. You know, you go out, you're going to do this run on the prone, and then you get to your, your point where you should come in, and it's only been 20 minutes. And you're like, yeah. oh. you know, <laughs> I yeah. wish I'd park my car further and, and yeah. paid more for the Uber to take me. Take yeah. me further to the start point. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's that awesome. happens. That happens. Yeah. That's good though. At least you, you know, uh, having more time out in the fun and less, um, again, then more time afterwards. You, you pay for it, but that's future. Yeah. That's future me's problem. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a few questions here. Um, so, on your learning for downwind foil, did you have any overwhelmingly? unsuccessful runs especially on the prone or and the sup i guess on the prone uh on the sup so any any really bad ones on the sup actually recently um i got some new wings from axis which was the uh the v1 980 mm-hmm. and i had a Sonova, i had a sonova 510 which was 26 wide yeah and uh yeah that was probably my first first failure ever having to like go in and then wait at the traffic lights freezing cold it was like early season i went i think i went with boothie and marcus and um maybe dave delroy i think he had a wing he might have had a wing ding or something yeah and i could i just could not get going mate and i was like fuck, i couldn't yeah so i paddled from so just too small a foil was it or combination it, foil? It, it, it's definitely a hard foil to get going it's it's my go-to foil now for downwinding, provided it's over 15 knots. Yeah. But I was I was convinced it was the board, uh, and and that that proved to be true. It was 510. It was too short. Yeah. Didn't have enough length. And once I got my new board that I've got at the moment, which is it, that's a it's an Aviator 61, kind of a custom. Like it's the bottom's not as kind of aviatory. It's just a bit more mellow. A bit more mellow. But yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, basically it's an aviator six one twenty five and a half. Yep. Um, and I think it's eighty nine liters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sounds um, like a scaled up version of what I've got because I got a six by twenty four and it's seventy eight yep. liters, which I sink it. But you know, yep. if you can paddle up and you don't come down ever again, happy days. If you yep. if you're coming up and down the whole time, you you're pissed off. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and it's funny, man. Like, I, uh, when Marcus had the, the Aviator Protos and he had a couple other prototypes, I borrowed the, the Square Nose one he had. Yeah. And that was, 
you know, 74 litres. And, I, and it was so light though. And I'm yeah. like, mate, give me that board. I, I just want to take it out and give it a crack. I just want to, and I took it out. And like you said, it's underwater. Like yeah, I've got, I've got some video of it. I'm standing. I, was, I, was, I think that was 24 wide as well. And it was like, but mate, I, like as soon as I started paddling for a chop, it was, it was a joke. Like I could not believe how quick I could get it up. Like yeah. I had the stability in the nose because it was square. But like you said, you didn't want to be coming down much because then you had to stand on it and balance and you're losing a lot of energy. Sure. But I, I kind of shocked myself on that board um, getting that going because I really didn't think I'd be able to do it. But yeah, and that's what I was saying I, I think before is the, the smaller board, as long as you can balance on it, it's fine. But as, as soon as you can't get too small and your balance yeah. is gone, it's game over. And if you go too big or, or too short and wide, it's almost like you're making it too hard for yourself too. So like you said, like longer narrower with stability but as small as you can go stability wise and you're going to yep. make yep. it as easy as you can for you and normally your first sup isn't going to be the one you end up on because no. there's no. a lot of yeah yeah well and and you just gotta you just gotta remind yourself that if you if you're down when you're on a prone it's never going to be the same as down when you're on a sup you know i, I enjoy both of them equally for different mm. reasons but I'm not going to be able to do the turns I can on a sup that I can on a prone. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to enjoy the freedom. Um, well, not the freedom, just, you, you just can't ride them the same. You know, you can't, you can't ride the sup the same as the prone, but with the sup, you know, I, I can have as many, I, I learned, learned a new word the other day, the OCT one guys, yeah, have as many hoolies as you want, but yeah, you, can, you can get, you can get going again on the sup again, whereas the prone, um, it's a rare event that I come down on the prone because yeah. I know I can't come down on the prone. Yeah. So and let's, 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 cause I'm sure you've got a story where you came down on the prone and it was a long paddle in surely. No, nah, don't mate. You don't. <laughs> I don't. No, nah, I've, I've, I've had a couple where I've come down, but it's, it's been like a couple minutes paddle in like five minutes, six minutes max. Like, yeah. So, but okay. What's the furthest out point you think you, potentially could have had had you fallen two kilometers yeah two oh. kilometers or more so that yeah. that was probably the that was the big one that i did on the the GoFoil setup from route head north mold city beach that that one i was talking about sam where he was going from on the sup and um yeah. that i was that i was looking at and i i don't know i don't know why i just wanted to do it and and one day i i was pretty i was actually pretty fatigued from the foil brain and foiling too much and i just went nick I just feel like hitting this up. I just, I just want to go and I just want to go and do this and get it done because I've been thinking about it for ages. I yeah. just want to send it from here. And yeah. he was like, "Okay." Um, and I went, "Can you just drop me off like at the start?" And he goes, "No, nah, man, I'm, I'm coming. Like, I'm, I'm watching this. Like, yeah, I remember, I remember hearing his stories. He was like following you down the coast. Yeah. So he, um, so we went out there, found a, found like it super sketchy pointy rock to jump off and um i'm just gonna was... i've got the video so i'm gonna share it so i'm gonna get you to talk us oh, through dear. it because it is Thank definitely you. worth all right here we go oh funny yeah classic this is it, yeah i might add that was first drop james so i was pretty happy with that yeah here we go i, wait, I waited out and that was yeah that was first drop so i was stoked so it was Very like good. boom straight in clean and um yeah, I had my phone with me, shoved a couple flares in the back, 
And um, I just so you're prepared need... for the worst. <laughs> yeah, like like we do some pretty wild stuff, and like you know, people who aren't ocean minded and aren't experienced in the water think you know it's it's crazy or you know it's dangerous. But I don't go out there, and I'm I'm not unprepared. I do I do always think about the consequences and worst case scenarios, and, and what would I do when the event this happens or that happens. So it's not like I don't think these things through. But um, yeah, I just said to Mick, I'll just See if you can keep an eye on me to Cottesloe. Um, if it's good, I feel like things are going good. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And, um, but I was I was done by the time I got to City Beach. My legs were killing me. It was because um, because you know the volume of that wing. Yeah, it's it's, it's a big wing. Like it's you you've got to be having good bumps and being able to turn and really enjoy it to really. Yeah. But on the. Yeah. I'd imagine on a prone board like that far out in this video now, like you can't even see you that far out. Um, mm. you, you really like you can turn, but you don't want to turn so hard that you're risking falling. And it's oh no, I wasn't turning, mate. It was literally eyes straight ahead. Don't look into the beach. Just keep keep the foil down deep, even if you know it's tiring. Keep it low because. The biggest risk was overfoiling and then yeah. having to paddle two k's in, which I really didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sharky waters. Um, yeah. So well, yeah. It was. It was just you know look, keep looking straight ahead, and and when you're kind of so focused, you know you're so focused. Like yeah, it was literally. You can't enjoy those kind of runs. Like I haven't yeah. done that run since on the prone. Maybe one day again on the on the new gear, but yeah. Um, the whole time I was out there, it was just crazy mental concentration. Like mm. next bump, next bump, next bump. No turns, just literally pump, pump, pump. Get yeah. through. Survival mode. Yeah. yeah, totally. It was, yeah. it was. You fall, you die. That's all I was thinking about. Was yeah. Treat it like that. Do not fall. And then once I kind of got into Cottesloe, I wasn't that far out after that. You know, I might have been 500 meters off the coast. I'm like. Yeah whatever like that yeah, 15 minute bad. 15 minute paddling who cares so yeah. um yeah that was that one and and got that done and and that was pretty fun but yeah that, those, those old interesting things, mate, so those, like they were i had to kahi a little while ago and he was he did one from uh, china wall basically to kaimana which is it's a similar distance prone but and similar in the in the they might even be a little bit further out it's about two and a half kilometers um yeah from the furthest out point to the the beach and sort of the coast sort of bends around back towards them so there's a really sketchy section yeah. if they fall like he said 45 minutes if he like the yeah. first time he did fall and he had a 45 minute paddle in oh shit okay yep a long yep. long like that's that's you fall you die kind of thing you know yeah totally um, but but that's that's the thing about the prone like I love prone runs. I love the simplicity of taking my board apart, calling the Uber. I put my four foot board in the boot, drops me off at the start. I put it together, scooping off a wave, run down the beach, um, not too far out. If I come down, I can catch another wave and keep going. And I love that. I love the feeling of being on the prone, but there are those, those limitations, you know, and, and you can't really relax as much as you can on the, on the sup. I'll have way more crashes and overfalls on the sup because I know I can push it. Doesn't matter. And I can, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like I can I can push a turn if I want. I can I can just bomb runs the whole way down the coast and, and who cares? Like 
yeah. but on the on the prone you have to be calculated i guess yeah you know you can, exactly if, if you if you're doing those runs that are a long way out or yeah. if you've got time constraints you know daylight yeah. hours and that kind of stuff yeah, yeah the, the prone runs can either be you know 20 minutes or an yeah. hour and 20 yeah. minutes you know yeah I've, I've had a couple like that mate where I've, I've, i couldn't even get started and it was getting dark and then I'd have to like paddle way down the beach and try and find somewhere where there's a way. It's just, you know, at certain times of year, it's almost shore break and it's yeah. knee-high deep water, so you can't even get the clearance to get up and pump out to sea. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, love them both equally for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I love the challenge of the prone downwinding, but for me, because I have a SUP background, like the, the SUP isn't... I'm kind of used to the bigger board in the open ocean swells too, because I've done more of it. Yep. So it's, I'm, like you said, the time constraint, like I can do a sup downwind run, whether I fall or not in half an hour, you know, for, yep. for a good, like, you know, 12 kilometers, like no, no, no yep. problems you're done. Whereas a prone, it could be half an hour or yeah. it could be an hour and a half. You know, like, it's yep. just like, if I've got a window of time, I'm going to be supping and if I've got, yep. you know, unlimited time and I want to play around with some stuff, I'll, I'll go prone, but it's that risk. That makes reward. It, yeah. It's, yep. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. I've, I've done a few with the guys, did a long one from, from Cottesloe to Sorrento on the prone. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to get a wave there and they'd already, you know, they'd left, they were gone and I'm sitting there for 20 minutes trying to catch a wave. And then, um, oh, that, that was another funny story. Got a wave lots of weed, had to kind of get another wave at Scarborough, had to come in, catch another wave, pumped out to sea, and they'd, they'd started looking for me, driving around trying to find me. And I was way out off Waterman's, and I had my phone, and my phone started ringing. Yeah. <laughs> fucking idiot. I tried to answer it. So I got my phone oh, ringing. No. It's in the case, and I'm, I'm like bombing on the prone. I'm looking at my phone, and I'm like, oh, it's Marcus. Oh, they must, be, must have started looking for me. So I've tried to answer it through the plastic case. Oh, it doesn't work. Um, but nothing was working. So I put it down. I'm trying to concentrate and I'm still going. And then it, it started ringing and then it came up with the option. You know how it says those generic statements like, I'll call you back in five or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I managed to click on one. It said, sorry, I'm busy right now. And I said that. <laughs> so it went through and then like almost immediately after I did that, I overfoiled and then I was like, ah, oh, shit, you know. So I had to paddle in and, and then I, I walked up to the main road and I just waited there and they came and found me. But yeah, yeah that was one of those occasions where I, I should have just taken this up because, you know, I was with other people as well. So then it stuffs them around and yeah, um, with time. It's hard, to, it's hard to prone foil with people I've found too because oh yeah, because yeah. if you're chipping in on the same wave, <laughs> even if you're on the same wave, it's hard to pull off at the same time. And then... Yep. Like I did one with Zane the other day and, and he, like we took off on the same wave, all three of us, and we were going out and he, Zane was a bit in front and I'm like, oh, I'll try to go further out to catch him. And we just ended up mm. being a couple hundred metres apart the whole time and just sort of bouncing along and you're sort of like, yeah, ah, you know, you just. Yeah, yeah. We, Mick, Mick and I have done quite a few. We've done quite a few together and we've done quite a few where he's got up first and gone, I've got up first and gone or 
yeah, neither has got up and then it's just like I'll see you at the end kind of thing. So yeah. that's that's another positive about the stuff is you can you can wait for each other, you can stop, you can if one one person's not getting up straight away, you can wait for them to get up and, and vice versa. So yeah. Um yeah, again, both very different sports and, and yeah, both sick. Love them both. Yeah. You got the, I think you're right, that's the right attitude. For, for different yeah. occasions, you know. Yeah, you totally. Stuff, you can yeah. Do, the, do the pro, and it's all just about upskilling and having the options, which I think is such yeah. A and, little... and and if it's like proper bombing, I want to be on my sub. Like I don't, I don't want to be on my prone because it gets really hard to handle. Like I remember Mick and I went out and did one. I don't know last year, year before, and it was it was by her standards, it was big. It was like a two and a half meter swell running. It was, 25 30 knots and when you're on a four foot board in 30 knots and a two and a half meter yeah, swell sometimes the weight extra weight oh, is a good thing oh yeah you want that extra weight and you want that extra nose in front of you for the mm. balance like i felt like i was on a yeah it was hectic mm. it, that was like a that whole run was like a safety run it was like get the hell out of here come around it go down get the hell out of here again and uh yeah we both came in and went oh man that was I think that was a sup day. Yeah. <laughs> and you work that out. You yeah. work it out. But then some days you just want to get in there and get smashed or, you know, yeah. and then you got to try and catch a head high one in short break on the beach, which, you know, could no, take an I hour. The, I, love the, the, I love the stories of the, the Perth crew downwinding. It's like, oh, the, the shores are massive. You know, we got, and it's, it is, it's a gnarly shore because it goes like there's nothing. And then all of a sudden it just goes whack onto the beach. Yeah. And there's just carnage. Absolutely and if, it's, and if it's not windy enough, it's really hard to scoop into a wave on, on the short board doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. Cause you really, you don't want the wave. You want that kind of double up behind it, which is just a nice fat little bit of white water. And then you can yeah. kind of ride the back and get out. You don't really, when it, when it's really sucky, you don't want to be catching those waves. You just not, especially on a downwind foil. Yeah. Nah, not, not on the prone board. Like, yeah, that's it. It's just, it's just too hairy, but yeah. depends what time you want to get home, I guess. Sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta go it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll send my wife a message. Yeah, not going so well. Yeah. ETA, ETA could be thirty minutes. Could be two hours. 30 to, yeah, thirty to three hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could get up and be home in fifteen, or I could be scratching around in this shore break for another hour. Yeah. 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 Which. Yeah. Okay. Let's. I know you've done some crazy downwind runs. Um, a couple you've done. We're gonna pull up some video of you doing the. Rock nest back to Sorrento, I assume. Um, which is that was a ripper. Yeah, so that's, there's a race, the doctor that they actually do that, but you decide to do it on your own day. And technically, I think legally, there's shipping lanes and stuff out there, so it's you need high views and all this sort of stuff. And I'm sure, you know, but I guess I want you to run us through the dangers that that are present in doing these sort of downwind runs, and also sort of just go through what safety precautions you did take because I know you did, but also um, talk us through what could have gone wrong, you know, because there's like Perth, I know you guys don't talk about it, but there are big sharks, like great white sharks are known to be either in all waters, all oceans, but there's been a few incidents in Western Australia. Um, there's also seaweed, which I'm actually more scared of seaweed in Perth than I probably am of sharks because there's more seaweed than there is sharks and seaweed foiling... Well, Sucks. We found that out, mate. We found yeah. that out firsthand. Yeah. 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 So let me pull the video up. Um, yeah. But yeah, talk us. So yeah, tell us the 
the dangers and, you know, what was good, what was bad. <laughs> well, the fact that Mick went out in the piss all night the night before was probably a bad start. But um, we, uh, we'd been talking about it for ages. And, and you know, it's, so, it's always so hard to get someone with a boat. And can you commit to, to taking the weekend off so you can follow us from Rotnets to to, you know, wherever we're finishing. But um, finally, the forecast looked pretty good. This was a really south day. It was, it was probably too much south in this day. But, um, yeah, I said, to, I, I booked the tickets. And I was like, Mick, this day's looking really good. Um, he'd had a big night out, which he didn't tell me until I met him at the ferry terminal. And at that point, he'd actually been um, working all day as well. And he, he had a pretty savage job at that time. He was, he was working like a maniac. Um, he was putting struts in for power poles. So, like, really physical work. And he'd been doing that hungover. So uh, I'd, I'd, got a, I'd got a ferry ride from, from North Mole to Rotness, um, got the tickets, wife dropped me off, met Mick there. We had, and, and this is the thing, this is when low aspect wings were basically the only thing you could get. I think GoFor might have just started having high aspect wings. And I know, I know Signature. Out, which yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know Signature and Unifor had the high aspect wings. And I, I knew it was all about the high aspect wings, but we just didn't have kind of access to them. So I was riding the, the 920, Mick was riding the 102, which were like massive wings. Huge. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, when, when we set over, I'd, I'd, I got the ferry ticket. I, I knew how much daylight hours we had. So I'd calculated if we had a really shit time, you know, and we were averaging like nine, 10 Ks an hour, we would still make it in by dark, Yeah. Um, which was smart uh, because that's basically what happened. So I'd worked all that out and I'd, I'd calculated how long it would take us to get from point A to point B if things weren't going well. Um, so anyway, we got to Rotnest, um, walked right out to the point where I'd already checked out on the maps and I know the area quite well. I've been here a lot of times. This is where we need to go from. Um, we're going to go from here. We need to be out at this point at this time to give us enough time to get from here to Sorrento. Yeah. Um, so I had, had, had the marine radios, had the EPIRBs, had the life jackets. Yeah. I had a mate mate of mine who lives in, in Frio with a boat on standby. I had the Safe Tracks app on. I had an, a, um, a group of people that were getting live updates, text messages, location stuff, you know, pinging on their phones, you know, at this time. So they could, they could live track where him and I were at all They could time. join the journey. Yeah. And, and, you know, and after it, they're like, oh, yeah, we could see where you were and you looked like you were going good. And I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, we could see you were, you were here and this is where you were. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, you know, it wasn't going great. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we went out and Mick, Mick had that white custom board and he'd, he'd, he'd shimmed his rear wing quite heavily and hadn't really tested it. Um, but, you know, he's super fit, he's super skilled. Um, very good waterman, so you know whatever. You know he's been riding boards all his life, like I have, so no dramas there. Um, so we got started. I got going pretty much straight away, and there's a big, big current pulling around the island there. And so you you, you did the race, you know that that yeah. it's like yeah, quite just challenging. The, yeah, yeah. So like we started from where we did in the race. That first five k's. It was it was felt felt really weird, like it was like there was lots of water underneath affecting the flight of the foil. And anyway, I got going, 
no worries, covered a fair bit of ground. And then Mick wasn't kind of coming. So I was like, oh, I'm going to stop and wait for him. Um, and then he got going, came over to me. And he was, um, I could see it in his face, hey, he was rattled. He was like looking at me going, fuck. Because like, be he'd, he'd had a big night, been working all day and he was rattled. And I was like, mate, I was like, I kind of, you know, I just said, look, if, if you don't want to do it now, we need to call it. Uh, I need to, I need to call my mate, come and get us. Because if we keep going and you're feeling this way, um, we're not going to make it. Like mm-hmm. it's going to take him ages to launch the boat, get out and come and get us. And I just reassured him, you know, of his skill set, our skill set. We knew what we were doing. We had all the safety precautions in place. I told him I'd calculated how long it would take us to get from A to B if we're having a terrible time. Yeah. So then. Like asshole. So you got yeah, so no, but it was all good. So then ugh, that shit me because then as soon as we set off again, he started foiling straight away, and then I was having a shit time. I couldn't get going. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is actually one of the things foiling yeah. with someone yeah. is hard. Oh, like it's hard oh, to stick mate. together. I was spewing, and I had quite a long mask on, so um, that didn't help because the longer your mask is, the further away it is from the source of the power of the wind shot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then an old, old low aspect wind. So yeah, gave me his little pep talk and he's like, I'm out and he's gone. And I'm like, oh shit, like, and I'm, I'm grinding away trying to get going and I'd get going and I could see him kind of disappearing and I'm like, sweet, that's good. Like, I'm really happy he's having a good run now. <laughs> and then the whole time I'm out there, man, I'm just seeing those, I don't know what those birds are, but those birds are just chopping up over those chops, like gliding. And the yeah. whole time I'm just thinking, are they like little mutton birds? They're just like sort yeah. of on the surface. The whole yeah. time I'm just going, I need a high aspect wing. Like this would be so different out here if I had a high aspect wing right now. And um, so, yeah, it was, couldn't, just didn't have the speed to maintain through those chops because there's a lot of ocean swell, there's a lot of wind swell, there's a lot of chop and just couldn't, you know, keep that momentum. You just find yourself in no man's land. And then, yeah, to come with that, he was over there and there was this big line of weed. So every time I'd, I'd track that way, I'd see the weed and I'd pull out and then it'd come to a point where I'm like, I have to go through it. So then I'd catch weed and come down and start all over again. It was just a, it was just a process of hitting weed, coming down, grinding really hard to get going, going again, getting really tired. And then kind of, yeah, Mick, Mick was having a fly. He was doing really well, but I was kind of stuck between this, I don't know, like the, the, I was pretty, we were pretty fatigued, but I was never like concerned. Like I was never worried. Like my yeah, biggest so, concern the whole whole time out there was daylight hours. That's all I was worried about. Yeah. The whole time. I was, and that's what I said. So I was like, mate, I've, I've calculated, I've figured it out. We're going to be in before dark and that's all that matters. Mm. So uh, it was never in doubt that we would get to shore. It was just whether we would get there before dark. And um, so we finally got through. That fairy um, footage you showed, that was a, a mate of mine. Um, his mate was doing work on the island. He was actually going back on the ferry and um, he took that footage and, and um, sent it to his mate because Alan, I think I told Alan we were going to do a run. Yeah. And so Alan sent me that footage and yeah, I had a good laugh because that looks hectic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, this is epic, yeah, so that, like, yeah. as the, the fairy wake, you're just like full wake thieving too. <laughs> well, yeah, those you could hear the guys on the boat going, oh, you know, the, the wake's going to get him, the wake's going to get him. Little did they know, Jimmy, 
little did they know. So um, yeah, that was that was when it was going pretty sick at the start. But then um, you know, once we got, you know, this is probably like I don't know a couple k offshore. It was all good. Like it was it was way darker than it was set. But I was like, how, no, how long did it take? Because like I'm just measuring. It's it, like about twenty five k's. Just just give or take. It was it was probably just under three hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, under three hours. And then, you know, you and I did it a couple of years later on high speed wings. And then they're almost, they're pretty dated high speed wings now and did it in like an hour 20. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, so that, that, and that was, that was weed affected that race as well. So um, it was 100% equipment, um, you know, three hours versus an hour 20. Um, the high speed wings just ate it up and, you know, and did that race and wasn't even tired. Like, yeah, how is wasn't, it? Was wasn't even hard work. It was, mm. you know, it was a joke. So, you know, I know you guys were full race mode, and I was just, I just wanted to have a clean run and get there in a time that I thought was reasonable without feeling totally spent like that last one. I just wanted to have a good run because that one Mick and I did was, <laughs> yeah, it was no good, and it was, it was no good weed, and it was no good, you know, old low aspect wings which just couldn't do. What we need, and also about sounds with that longer masts, which kind of gives you more, yep. uh, more weed collection too. You know, yep. which, for those that yep. don't know, in Western Australia, the ribbon weed is a serious problem for foiling. Like it could be blowing 30, 35 knots, but you'd be lucky to average, you know, three thirty minute k's. You know, you, you're looking at you know, 18 kilometers per hour, like you're struggling because, and you're just working so hard to stay up on the foil and you've basically, you've got to stop to get the weed off um, or go mm. so fast and turn hard to try to do what you can to get rid of the weed. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's it sucks. You know, it's the only yeah. problem with that. Yeah, it is what it is, but you have, you have weeks and days and runs where there's none. Like, yes. For sure. So I think I think early season is probably the best time. I've, I've I've noticed a pattern early season is is kind of when it's not shedding. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm doing big sends on the prone, that's when I'll go early season. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, it, it's weird. It seems when there's a bit of west swell, it kind of it pulls all that um ribbon weed off, kind of out the back of rot nest and pushes it in. Yeah. And then yeah, I, I feel like it's a mix of west swell or a big swell, but um. Yeah, you can have weeks where there's none. You can have runs where it's, you know, totally avoidable and you can see it coming. Um, but I think the thing with the, the long mast is unless you're riding that mast and the wing where it's meant to be, there's no point in having a long mast because, you know, yeah. you can do the same with a 750. And that, that's all I ride. I, I, I ride the 750 in everything, light conditions too, mm-hmm. to bombing conditions because... Yeah. I find that when I'm riding the long mast, I'm, I'm still, I've still got the board at the same distance from the surface of the yeah, water out of it. So, yeah. yeah. So unless you're going to be riding really high, which then affects your center of gravity and becomes a lot more tippier, there's, there's really no point in riding that longer mast. With the winding and all that, ride the, ride the 860. Yeah. Because you've got the clearance. But um, yeah, for the stuff, I don't feel I've, I've got that stability with the kind of, I think it was an 860 kind of mast length. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Right. If, you're, if you're under power, whether it be from wind, from a wing, or getting towed in by a jet ski, you know, a long yeah. run is sweet. But yeah, exactly. As yeah. long as when you're, you know, downwinding and if you're comfortable at this certain height, and if you're riding the same height with a 82 centimetre mast and a 75 centimetre mast, 
the 82s just got more drag, more foil, more mast in the water, whereas the 75s are higher. So I like the yeah. 82 centimetre mast personally, just because here in Sydney, we got lots of backwash. So all that backwash, it's more likely, and there's a bit more swell, so you're more likely to touch down. But I, yeah. I've tried the 92 and it's, 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 it's just <clears> yeah. too much. Yeah. Yeah. 80. I could go on 82 for sure. Yeah. 82 would be good. I don't know that I'd go any, any, yeah. any bigger than that. Yep. Yeah. So that was that story. And there's um, one more story. And I don't want to get, so I want to sort of start to wrap things up. So we've got one more story and then we've got three tips for those looking to downwind foil, uh, getting into it, whether it be prone or, or stuff, whatever you choose, or even we yep. haven't touched on winging. There's, there's too much time, uh, too, too many yep. things, but not enough time. So How long has it been, mate? It's been about an hour now. So I try to keep them below an hour 20. So we'll see how we go. Yeah. Oh, I feel sorry for the people having to watch this for an hour. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, poor, poor bastard. Try and make this try and make this next story entertain as entertaining as the last, hopefully. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna, 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 gonna bring I the food to you. Too. It will be. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is just recently. Yeah, this was last weekend, last Sunday. Yeah. So the the boys were saying Sunday, bloody Sunday, which is kind of what it was for some of them. Not for me. I had a great time. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's leading into the bridge. So that's a mix of of swell. So the swell is just pushing right in there. Um, And I'm aiming for that bridge. So I'm trying to get through the... um, Actually, let's back up because I want to get the full story. Where did you start from? So you were telling me earlier. So let me get rid of this. So if you go further south south to Rockingham. Um, Yeah, here you go. So Point Perrin. See Point Perrin there? Yep. Yep, and then... Straight, straight through the bridge to see where it says Naval Base. Uh, yep. Click on there. What's that? Yeah, 10, pretty much 10 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's the run you did. Epic. So that's the run that we did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, I've, never, I've never done that run. I've done a run from basically there to Fremantle, which is, if you had a look north, there's, see where it says number 12? Yeah. In the, in the blue, that, yeah. that's the run from there you would usually do in summer, but that's that's a long way from home for me, and that's pretty much in protected waters. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason for me to go down there unless it's like winter when there's kind of nothing else happening and the swell's too big up my end to get out in and too much seaweed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so and yeah. then I guess the, the wind direction must have been pretty onshore too, which I guess it normally is in, in winter. So west, west, southwest, so yeah. pretty much perfect angle for that run so that's yeah. why we did that run yeah. um and the boys the oc1 boys had done that run uh i think the week before in similar conditions but this was with like this was super spicy this day this is probably 10 to 15 knots more so it was averaging 40 knots yeah and i had a, i had a look at the wind yeah see in lieu of the island there it's like it's like glassy mate and yeah. then, um, but yeah, most of the time I was out there, it was, it was 45 to 55 knots and it was like, mm-hmm. there was some, some hectic squalls, like blowing me off the front of the front of the board, basically. Yeah. Um, right. but so sick. Um, but yeah, so this section was really fun. Um, aiming towards the bridge. This is after the bridge, a fair way after the bridge. Yeah. So if I, when I was out there kind of looking to my left, you can see those ships when I was out, I was like, oh, okay. It must be like pretty hectic out here if all the, all the you know, sea container ships are anchored in 
behind Garden Island because they're all usually out of Perth um, in front of Rottnest. Yep, but I've, I've never I've never seen so many ships anchored in there ever. Like it was pretty much all of them. You know, I reckon it was ten ships anchored in protected waters from Garden Island. So, um, so, so yeah, yeah, just so that, people watching this, like if you're listening to it on Spotify or a podcast, it's sort of you can't see it, but we're we're showing Nathan's um, downwind run and the footage, and it's it's crazy. Like the the runs are literally like they look big in the GoPro footage, and GoPro always makes it look so much smaller than what it was. These must have felt like they were head high, like head high bumps. Yeah, that as I'm heading to the bridge there, over to the to the left, kind of more into the middle, like that's like I was kind of coming in. One of the guys in the OC ones were kind of maybe a couple of hundred meters in front of me, yeah. and I could see where they were, and there was like man, there was like proper waves breaking through. I've never seen waves break through there, and it was like head high. Kind of, kind of rolling though, like not really steep. Yeah. So all the it water super kind of, stretched out. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, I was like, going, holy shit! I've never seen waves break out here. I don't go down there very often, but that's usually like boating waters, like super nice, protected. Yeah. Um, go for a snorkel kind of waters, but yeah, they were. I came in that one, and then through those swells, and then I saw the guys ahead of me on the OCs, and they were like, got on a couple bombs and I was like oh my god I'm so happy on a, I'm on a foil out here and not on a bloody OC1 yeah um, that's, that's, yeah because the foil comes into its own because you're above so you're just yeah yeah flying yeah. above it whereas oh, the longer boats and surf skis yeah. and outriggers and even stand-ups like it's gnarly whereas for a foil yeah. you know you're just hovering above it yeah and you know, obviously being sensible with the conditions, but you know, all had all had the PLBs, PFDs, had systems in place, had a had a good discussion about getting from A to B and doing it safely. But yeah, I was kind of on my own, and then there was probably five or six guys in OC ones, yeah. and um, got to the bridge, and um, yeah, this is this is where it gets gets pretty radical. Um, got to the bridge, and um. I actually paddling out here, obviously everyone left me and you know what it's like on a, on a foil. If you're with paddlers, they all just go off. Yeah. And you, um, I was paddling out, tracking out on my knees, just going, I want to kind of get out into the middle before I get up going. Like I, I just want to get a feel for it. I want to get warmed up. Um, want to make sure I'm out in the middle before I get up and go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm heading out there and I'm seeing all of them going off. And I'm like, oh man, this looks so sick. And got out there and, yeah, saw the saw the guys in the OC ones, and and one of them, one of the blokes was having a hard time, like he was getting flipped out because the wind was hitting him from the side, and those outriggers have him on the left. Mm. I'm like, oh man, he needs the thing on the right, like, yeah. and I don't know anything about OC one paddling. I'm like, man, if he had it on the right, it'd be sweet. So he was, you know, again, all really experienced guys, um, elite guys, and he was flipping out heaps, and I was like, oh shit, like. And, you know, the bridge has got a long groin going out as well, and he's not even out in the middle. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to hang. I'll stay nearby this guy for a while, just kind of keep an eye on him. And, and, and he was flipping out and getting in and flipping out. It was super cold, man. It was like a hailstorm came in when we we're heading out. Yeah. Um, whatever, wind, rain, hail, who cares? Yeah. It's, rain, it's hail, just wind and water. Yeah, I didn't care. Um, and, yeah, he was having a rough time. And, and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave him and I'll go to the bridge and I'll wait there. Got to the bridge, all the guys are waiting. And um, I was like, oh, look, there's a couple of guys coming, they're sweet. Go out the back, 
he, he was swimming a lot and he, he didn't have a lot of warm warm gear on either. Yeah. You know, he had all his paddling gear, life jacket, jacket, PLB, all, all this stuff, all the safety gear. And um, like, just wait here. Like one of the guys said, just don't leave. Just I'll wait here with you. Let's just let's just make sure he gets through. And um, other guys came through. And then we waited for a while. It was so hard to keep position because it was like yeah. man, like 100k hour wind. And I'm sitting there on the yeah, board, yeah. getting blown, getting blown backwards. And um, all good. Again, never, never concerned, never worried. Like just super windy. And uh, one of the guys, I was like, man, you need to stay. Like we're not going until he comes through. I made that very clear to him. And he goes, yep, all good, mate. Um, so I hang around. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, sweet, I can see him now. He's coming. <laughs> And the guy was waiting as well. He's like, yeah, yeah, all good, all good, Nate, off you go. I'm like, sweet. So I was like, awesome. Turned around and went and, and at least he was with him. So if he was having a hard time, at least he wasn't your problem anymore. Yeah, you've offered yeah, Well, I know, you know, to be honest, I wasn't with those guys and um just kind of just yeah, went along with them. But yeah, I was I didn't know them. I didn't I didn't know the guy. And um I knew I knew who they were and I knew that they were all elite paddlers. Um but yeah, you know, so I, I went and um, went, had it, like, that footage was, like you said, it, just, it never does it justice. It was fucking out of control. Like, but it, but looks, it looks out of control in the footage too. Yeah. Like, but but, it, but yeah. again, when I say it's out of control, like for me, it's not out of control. Like I don't, I, I never sense. felt, yeah. yeah, I never felt like it was in danger. Like the, the one thing I did think about was, you know, the, that bloody stringy bit on your board. You know that you attach your leg rope to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was packing a double string. Eh? I've never packed a double string, but yeah, I went, I went the double because I was like, Man, yeah. The main thing out here is is losing my board, which I don't want to. That's the one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to lose my board. You know, yeah. and obviously checked all my equipment over before I went out. Um, made sure twice. screws were tied up. Made sure I had everything. Like double checked it, triple checked it because. It was the main thing was the cold. It was like if something mm. happens, you don't want to be in that water for a period of time. Um, and that's another reason why I wore a wetsuit. I don't usually wear a wetsuit, but I thought pretty cold today. Yeah. If something happens, I want to be warm. Yeah. You're better so, off um, being too hot than too cold yeah. in that situation. Yeah, totally. Totally. So um, got to the end, flew through a few guys after often. Yeah, it was like epic. And um, got into the beach and mate, I got absolutely smashed on the beach. I was walking up the beach with my board and this squall came through and I had my board on my shoulder. Idiot, like that was, I shouldn't have done that. And it just hit my board and literally threw me through the air and I just let go of my board. And the rear wing, I thought it had like taken my ear off because yeah. like those rears, I've got a pretty sharp. And Especially just, in the cold, yeah. Oh, mate, and I had that waist, that waist leash on. I literally, my board was like a four-wheel drive snatching another four-wheel drive out of the bog. Like it just, <laughs> the board went and then, it, you know, it took me. <laughs> and then but the good thing, I was having the foil on the board. The foil was like an axe and it just stopped in the ground. But yeah, that was, that yeah. was probably the most dramatic thing that happened for me out there. Yeah, and then um, got on the beach. All the other guys, you know, all good, hanging around for the other two, kind of going, ah, oh, you know, hey, did you see him, Nathan? I'm like, yeah, I told him to wait. Um, he came through, all good. Um, I think they'll be fine. Uh, we'll just hang around here. Still hadn't turned up. I'm like, oh, you know, it's a bit shit. 
And then one of the guys like, oh, next car's at the start. And he goes, mate, I'll take you to your car. Um, we've got our phones. The other two guys are going to stay at the finish, make sure everyone get across the right, uh, gets across the line safe. Um, we went. Then one of the guys calls and he's like, can't find them, still haven't turned up. Um, and I still wasn't worried because I knew, I knew they had processes in place. You know, worst comes to worst, you pull the PLB, someone comes and rescues you. You know, at least they're together, whatever. And PLB for those, it's like a... It's an EPIRB. It's a personal yeah, yeah. locator beacon. It, it yeah. notifies sea surf and rescue, helicopters, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah. um, we're going back to my car, get a phone call from one of the guys. It's kind of a weird phone call. It was like, oh, you know, this guy's come in. I won't mention names. This guy's come in. Um, the other guy, we kind of don't know where he is. I don't know. I think they're like, he's come in. He's really cold, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fuck, like, and I don't really know. But obviously, I'm not going to bugger off. I'm going to hang around and make sure everyone's safe. So yeah. the other guy I'm with, he goes, yep, yeah, all right, we'll take you to your car. Um, I'm going to go have a look here. I'll go have a look here. I'm like, yep, yeah, no worries. I'll go have a look here. But anyway, I'm like, he's like, mate, you were never here. Just go home. And I was like, no, nah, I'll, I'll hang around, mate. Like, give me a call as soon as you know something. I want to help out and make sure everyone's all good, which, I, you know, I was confident everything was fine. Yeah. The two options I saw was um, he's either called it and they both paddled in somewhere to a beach, um, kind of where it's safe, maybe couldn't handle the conditions, yeah. or I thought equipment malfunction, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm. They're still floating out there. They're either going to drift in late or that was that was basically the two scenarios I'd I'd thought about. <laughs> so got um got my car and I'm like, all right, I'm out. Um give me a call as soon as you know something. I'll hang around here for another kind of 30, 45 minutes if you need me. Call me, tell me tell me where you want me to go, whatever. Um so anyway, I'm on the side of the road and I've checked all these bays and whatever, and he goes, phone rings. Like, oh shit, you know, I'm a bit nervous. And I was like, just because obviously I, I, I didn't want anything to happen. Yeah. And um, he calls me and he goes, Yeah, I just wanted everyone to be safe. And he calls me and goes, Mate, yeah, it's all good. We got him. I was like, well, like, Who got him? He's like, Oh, we picked him up. I was like, Who's picked him up? And he goes, Chopper's picked him up. And I went, <laughs> oh, no. What? And he goes, he goes, Yeah, no, it's all good. The Chopper's picked him up. I was like, What? Say again? And, um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, it was it was one of those scenarios. Like literally just after I left them, he goes, um, at the bridge, he came through, um, just got clipped by a wave and, and hoolied and yeah, broke his broke the outrigger, so broke the arms on the outrigger, and then which yeah. then means the craft's inoperable. Sinking. And there was still yeah, well you just you just can't sit in them. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a ski breaking a rudder. Yeah. Like you can't you can't you can't paddle it. Yeah. So um, the guy that was with him um, did an amazing job. Like he even had gaffer tape and tape with him, literally taped up his what you know the main part of the OC one to his outrigger. So they're literally raft up just sitting there. Wow. And um, they just yeah. So like they were like happy days just sitting there, just like whatever. And they were like, so, well, so he broke the like the actual the outrigger or the the, the bit on the so, side. Yeah, so the bit on the side, the arm the had broken. Yeah. yeah, so the armor, yeah, um, that had broken. So once that happens, you can't, 
yeah, like a ski losing its rut, you can't sit it's in like, it, basically. It's like, yeah, it's like having a ski with it with only one paddle because yeah. you balance with yeah. the two skis. With, with, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's yeah, so, inoperable. Yeah. yeah, it's inoperable. So I thought, um, it was, I thought it snapped in half. So I thought it was sinking. I was like, yeah. oh, jeez, how do they gaffer tape that? But okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so no, he just, he just tapes um, his armour to his ski or whatever it is and yeah i saw saw the footage of them they look super comfortable but um he'd, he'd been pretty cold i think he'd been pretty cold and it was more of a it was more of a time thing that they made the decision to do the per because in those conditions oh, and how cold it all goes it wrong quickly yeah sure. yeah so they they made the right call to just you know obviously you don't want to use an eperb ever but because the t- conditions were so cold it was like well this could take us two hours to get to the finish, not being able to paddle very well, um, raft it up together, or maybe not even make it to that point. So it's like it came to the point where they made the decision, well, we're just going to have to cop it. We're just going to have to pull the eper. Someone's going to have to come and get me. Yeah. And they did. Um, all's well, ends well. And the other guy paddled through to the finish um, unscathed. So... Sheesh. Yeah, that was that was that story. So yeah, um, there's been a few interesting stories over in WA. Another one I heard was in the doctor a couple of years ago, uh, totally unrelated from foiling, but uh, a surf ski guy he fell off and he, he his leash broke in the doctor. I think it was a couple of years ago. It was super windy. I was and, I was out I was out at City Beach that day. And and the and, submarine um, and the submarine yeah. picked this guy up. Yeah. He, he pulled yeah. his EPIRB or his flare or whatever it was, and a submarine literally goes up next to him and saves this guy. Mate, I was um I was out of City Beach foiling that day off the groin, and, and my father was doing it in a double ski, and I yeah. was I was out there foiling. I was actually concerned that day. Yeah, he was. No I, I was on my stand, unlimited stand up, and me and Jake oh, you did that race. Had an okay. unreal back and forth race, and yeah, okay. it was. It was that was a crazy windy year. Yeah. yeah, I remember it. It was hectic. There were rescues happening everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, yeah. My father and his mate um, had to get rescued, and their double epic ski washed up on washed up on the beach at the finish line. And oh. uh, my dad's mate's wife was there, and she kind of looked at the <laughs> double, you know, double yeah. ski wash up on the beach, and was like. You know, so he got picked up, but yeah, a lot of people kind of were just unable to get back in their skis um, yeah. that year. I think I think that year was, yeah, I think a lot of safety things got put into place that after that after race, that. and I'm glad and I'm glad they did. Yeah, I, I, I felt like it was a little maybe underdone, and and I thought that day was pretty extreme being out there at City <laughs> Beach. For me, as a like competitor, I guess an elite competitor, that was one of the best races I've ever done, and yes, like the conditions, <laughs> when you get better at something you just want you know windier bigger surf bigger swell whatever it is yeah that was yeah that was the race of races jake jensen and i had a hell battle back and forth yeah. and there was a bit of weed out there and i remember looking across like a, a, he just after we passed the centaur mark and jake comes flying past me and he does this massive nose dive and he just goes over the hangers and that was when i knew i'd, I'd got him but um we were just surfing bumps the whole way. There wasn't much paddling going on, which, you know, for yeah, me, wow. you know, that's what it's all about. But yep. safety, I, I, I train for those conditions, whereas a lot of people yep. in those days, they would leave. And then all of a sudden, they think they can do it for a race and lean on the no. safety safety from the event organisers. It's, you know, but not it, the right thing to do, I think. Well, and that's, 
that's not protected waters. You know, where we were last weekend is protected waters. True. I would never have gone. I would never have gone out in those conditions in the open ocean. Yeah. So, um, to to go out in open ocean conditions in um when it's like that, uh, that's a totally different story. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that I I, I vividly remember that afternoon at City Beach going, yeah. holy shit, the, the, the doctors on today. But I and I and I saw the rescue boats driving up and down, oh, like in front of City Beach, just thinking, oh man, like because you know the age range of, of paddlers is oh, it's quite it's broad, but it's it's, it's at the top end, like a lot of a lot of Molokai kind of paddlers, um, you know, ocean racing ski paddlers are. You know, they're not young guys. No, the, the demographic is fit. sort of 40 to 60 to 70 even. Yeah. There's a lot of yep. older crew. And then, you know, there's the younger elite guys, but there's the, the majority of paddlers are, are older. Yeah. And, you know, and the, and the main thing is if you can't get back in your ski and you're fatiguing, then that's that's yep. the main thing. You know, getting in those little narrow waist, you know, waist-wide, you know, center leaps and, and epics. Um they're really hard to get into when it's, yeah. you know, Especially 30 knots and wind chops breaking over the top of you. And so, yeah, getting back in is, is the problem. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. Let's, yeah. Um, All right, mate. let's, let's wrap up because that's, we got a little bit sidetracked, but I think that was a story worth sharing. Um, was a question? Stories, no. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, three tips for, for those looking to get into downwind foiling and, and maybe you, you want to start with, the prone because that's what you start maybe you know two for prone and one for sup um for prone mate i even when i started for them people asked me for advice i just went i've got no advice for you it is literally get on the board and go and do it because i can't there's that's nothing advice. i can tell you yeah I can, there's nothing i can tell you that is going to help at this stage if you're just starting out you've just yeah. got to get on it feel it out and, and nut it out because, um, yeah, I can't. There's, like you know, what about equipment? Board. Surely you've had some advice on equipment. So for a prone board? Yeah. Um, so for a prone board now, I'm thinking like maybe four eight, something around that size. You don't want to make it too hard. Like if you're uh, wing, um, something like maybe a medium wing. Yeah. But the wings, are, the wings are so good now. Like yeah. How is like, it? When we, when we learn, uh, like I remember the first Maliko. So this is before the Maliko 200. That thing was like, holy yeah. shit! This thing's actually I can yeah. pump with this thing. Oh mate, yeah. And, and you then can... the Maliko two hundred came out. And like, this is awesome! I can go forever. And then the GL one eighty came out. And that was like, yeah, like yeah. that was the groundbreaker for me. I went and from doing twenty k's an hour on the very very best day ever on the Maliko two hundred to on my slowest day doing twenty. You know, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's just the efficiency, and and obviously the more time you do it, you get better at it, but. Yeah, you know, I can do these lo- do these long runs now without even being fatigued. Yeah, you know, like just, so just, high just reading it. Higher yeah, the higher high aspect. And, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, definitely a high aspect wing. Definitely, yeah. um, you know, whether that's the go for range or the axis range or whatever, but it needs to be a. Um, and what sort of uh, size? Because I see a lot of people try like start with pretty small stuff, which I disagree with. Uh yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that sentiment um i'd be using yeah see like when we talk about big wings now and high aspect wings, they're not big wings like the low aspect big wings because the surface mm. area is so much so much smaller mm. um and the, the cord length now is so short that a big wing doesn't feel like a big wing so yeah, still yeah i guess guess 
yeah, so I guess a high aspect, big wings, you know, something around. I don't, I don't know what the go forwards are, but mine, I, well, I, I downwind on the prone on the 880. So yeah. that's, it's pretty that's small. a mid, that's yeah. a pretty small wing. But it's yeah. but that's, as you not, said, prone, you can get away with something smaller for SUP. Yeah. I guess let's yeah. go equivalent for SUP. You'd probably be looking at... Nine, 980 for me. Um, you could use the V, I wouldn't recommend... And, you know, someone of my size using that, uh, I guess if you're learning on the axis, you'd probably, on the SUP, mate, probably the, the low aspect wings or the 101 high aspect wings. So there's really, those ones with a big range. So that yeah. you want real low speed takeoff on the SUP. I heard the axis 1150 pumps ridiculously well, but it's huge, right? Like that's- Yeah, it's, it's massive. But as, uh, there were a couple of guys doing it on the river um, the other week in those conditions. And they're like, oh, you know, what should I use? And I was like, mate, Get the biggest wings you can get. Yeah. Get the but biggest the real. Yeah, get the biggest rear wing you can get. Get the biggest front wing you can get because you just need all the assistance you can get. Especially yeah. if you're not a sup paddler, yeah. you don't have the strength or the timing or the you know the skill set. So um, and just patience, like um, but also it's time on board. You know, I didn't start sup downwinding for you know I'd been Mick and I had been foiling for I don't know years you know surf foiling and, and catching boat wakes and yeah. doing downwinds on the prone so we we'd had already had a lot of experience and, yeah. and knew how foils worked and, and knew about setup mm-hmm. so leaping straight into it um is going to be difficult yeah yeah so i guess you know what you're doing with your coaching I spoke to a few guys over here last season who said that was really helpful like what you're what you've set up yeah, and I think um, a lot of it, like with the, I guess, my online modules, it's just giving people the advice and then like encouraging them to get out there and give it a crack. Because as you said, there's nothing that you can, you can't, you can tell, you can give people advice, but if they take it on, great, but they've got to put it into practice. If they don't put it into practice, it's just, it's just advice. Yeah. Like if you yeah. take the advice and put it into practice, you're going to get results. So it's yep. I guess what I found with the coaching, like my online stuff is I get like a Facebook group and we like, I have like a, a Friday wins and talk back Tuesday, talk back Tuesday is all about posting footage and telling us, you know, what you've done, any questions, get them out there. We're going to answer it. And Friday wins is about telling us what your goals are for the next week and what you achieved in the week just gone. So it's yep. encouraging people to get out there and give it a crack and asking the questions and then putting the answers into practice because if you just go around asking for advice and you don't actually put the time in you're never going to get better at no. anything no and 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 you need to lower your expectations as well you you need to kind of be out there not expecting that you're going to get up foiling the first time the second mm. time maybe even the third time mm. if you can just if you can just stand on that stuff and paddle along and feel the board start to take off here and there that's a win yeah. Um, and then after that, any anything that happens after that is, you know, you, you incrementally you, you're going to get better eventually. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got some background in board sports and foiling, it's yeah. going to click. And then yeah. once it clicks, it's a really fast process after that. Um, I totally then, agree. It, it, it's it's yeah. a really steep learning curve to start with. Oh, huge. But once yep. you get over the hump, you're as good as anyone. Like yeah. once you once you learn to do it, the the, the foils you can only go so fast or so slow on these foils. So once you get over that hump, all of a sudden you're doing the same as you and I, like you're downwinding and you're, you know, you could be weaving with us, so to speak. Yeah. Like you're, it's, 
it's hard, but once you get there, it's so rewarding. Like it's yeah, it's the best thing ever, and it's and and a lot of it is just perseverance. That is that is the number one thing. It's just persisting at it and persevering until you get it. And then as you have those little wins, you start asking people for advice. You know, I see people down down the beach all the time. Oh, nice. This is I'm doing this, and this is what's happening. I'm like, well, you need to move here. Mask forward two millimeters because yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, wait for it or your foot or whatever it is. It's just there yeah. are little tips that you can give, but only after you've put in the time. And then yeah. once you've got the tips, put it into practice. And you won't get it the first time, you won't get it the second time, but maybe the third time it'll click. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what totally. that's what James was talking about. That's what Nate was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think the biggest the biggest thing I've, I've said to people and the mistakes that we made was more about. Um, you know, paddling for everything, you know, you can't paddle for everything, you know, you, you just got to, you got to have a good dig out at the first time, have a couple of digs when a little chop picks you up, you want those little ones. And if you're unsuccessful, time out, sit on your board, recover and rest, you know, whereas yeah. Mick and I were getting so frustrated, we would just, we'd do a short run and we were just grinding like the whole way, which was, you know, stupid because then you, you're exhausted and there's no way you're going to get up boiling after that. So um, it's just, yeah, resting. Have a, have a good dig, sit on your board and have a break. When you're ready, have another dig. And then it's just that process of repeat until, yo, I got up or I didn't, we'll try it next time. Yeah. So, yeah, because it's an explosive and it's, ex- oh. it's an explosive start. It's full anaerobic, like, yeah. you it's know, it's like a sprint. 10 to 20 strokes as hard as you can yeah. and yeah. then it's glide. And yeah. I see a lot, and that's, that's great advice. I see a lot of people, they just sort of, go at this sort of 50% just down the whole run and they never actually accelerate. It's like, why yeah. do you drop a car? Because you're just doing a downwinder on a six foot sup. Like, yeah. you've got to, as you said, go for it. And if you miss it, stop, rest. Because when you're yeah. sitting down resting, feet in the water, it stops you from getting blown down the coast. So you actually have more, more time of quality accelerations rather yeah. than just sort of, you know, tapping along at this sort of half-assed downwind, just floating, basically. Yeah, so sitting, waiting, exploding. <laughs> I think well, it's, all, it's also the recovery time. Like, you can't sustain that for 5K because you, you're right. using a lot of energy just standing on your board trying to balance. So have a good dig. If not, sit down, rest, and mm. just do that half a dozen times. But... Yeah, you just got to put in the time and, and have a go, and, and if you persist and persevere, then you'll get it. Yeah. Yep. And yep. then you, and then that's it. Then you're down that dark wormhole that is foiling and oil brain. <laughs> you know, like me, you're probably not going to surf a shortboard again. I only just started surfing again, which took me. It's probably been three years. Frothing though, got some really good waves, but took uh took half a dozen sessions and hundreds of waves before I I got my feet back on my surfboard, but. I've got it back now. I'll try not to have too much of a break from it uh, yeah. moving forward. But. You, you, you certainly learn when it's worth going for a surfer, when it's just worth just sticking yeah. with the foil. Yeah. I'm trying. That's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to surf more in winter. And then, um, yeah, if there's days like that, like last weekend when it was, was <laughs> nuclear, I'll go and do that. That's better might than any tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's going to be pretty crazy here again the next few days. So I might just go down the river and, and yeah, and, and fly to the fly to the stars. I don't know. Take the ding, yeah. do something. 
Yeah, better than sitting around, isn't it, Jimmy? That's it. Keep busy. Yeah. Out in the water, it's yeah. always pumping with a foil and a wing and a surfboard oh. and all the toys and covering yeah. all conditions. And that's what I think it's all about. And I think that's what it's all great. about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you can do anything anywhere, everywhere. That's the problem with it. It's so versatile, but yeah. it's also why it's so good because you can, yeah, there's always something to do. Yeah. Um, so, no, nah, it's good, mate. Yeah, no, nah, I think we'll wrap it up because we've, we might have cracked the hour and a half mark, which is fine because we're uh, frothing. Cool. But yeah, frothing. Appreciate you coming on, Nath, and um, I look forward to more adventures uh, following. Yeah, follow, mate. follow Foil Perth if you haven't already because he's got some great content and some great stories and um, he's a bit of a character. So thanks for thanks for joining us, Nath. And great stuff, we'll mate. We'll have to get you on again hopefully, sometime soon. Yeah, and hopefully you can get over here this season i don't know see how things go but it'd be good yeah, to get cross my fingers because i'm i'm really looking forward to getting over catch up with you and marcus and mick and and shannon yeah. and all the crew yeah yeah okay. be great fun all right mate all right. So i have to I have to touch base again soon it's been too long it has been too long all right all right good talking to you mate, mate.